This is CliffCentral.com. It looks like another one of those absolutely fantastic days, man. That was a long intro right there, wasn't it? Well, I just thought I'd hit you with a little bit of a curveball because you're used to me just going in and saying, yeah, baby, yeah. Yet again, another one of the shortest hours of the week. It's Thursday, and uh, we definitely indeed are here with another edition of Unplugged and In Charge on CliffCentral.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, you already know that when we have conversations here, we are always talking about uplifting, upbuilding things. We're talking to people who are doing amazing things, groundbreakers in their own right. And uh, I've got a power woman in studio today. She's here with her sister. She says that they always <laughs> roll as a team, always make sure that each, you know, that they look good together. And that, I think, is a really great thing, you know, that uh, the sisterhood, is represented mm-hmm. in the right way as well. Great stuff. So uh, it is the one and only Ansela Mangena. How are you doing? I'm well, Weza. How are you doing? I'm great, man. You sound like you're on radio already. <laughs> huh? I'm here for your job. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of space out here, man. There's a lot of space. So you can, you might as well. You might as well. Thank you. So um, before we even get into too much detail, let's... Uh, Let's see if we can summarize you in one paragraph. What would you say if you had to summarize yourself in one paragraph? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say one sentence, but I feel like a sentence might not be enough. Mm. You know what I mean? So give me a paragraph if you want. Um, I would just say I am here. I am here to earn my throne so that mm. I can own it. Yeah. And I'm here to disrupt and to do my best. I think that's the best thing. Like, you know, my favorite song that I listen to every single day is yeah. Beyonce's Hours Here. So mm. that if you know that song, that's literally what I'm all about. I'm, wow. I'm here to make a mark, to do mm. everything yeah. that I ever want to do before wow. I die. That's Great me. stuff. So now you're 27 years old mm. and uh, you're currently um, working at Forbes magazine. So tell us what you do day to day. Oh, so it's, it's really, really great. I'm a journalist at Forbes Africa magazine. Yeah. So I write stories, mostly business and finance. I'm always looking for entrepreneurship stories for mm. disruptors in different yeah. spaces. Mm. And one of my most favorite ba- babies that you might already know about that I do every year is the Forbes Africa under 30 list. Yeah. I am so passionate about it and so happy about it. So yeah. that's, that's basically what I do. I look for Good, inspiring African stories. I look for those people, man, that make us proud to yeah. be African. People who are disrupting, creating businesses, creating employment. Mm. Those are people that I'm out hunting for every day. Awesome. And I think that that is probably, you know, a, a great uh, place to work because it's a lot of positive energy that, mm. because I mean, you could have been working still journalism, but, uh, trying to acquire all the bad news, yeah. you know, cause there's that type of journalism too, mm. that, you know, you, let's say your, your column is always about the gossip. Mm. So meaning that you are always out there, maybe trying to, 
um, create that next juicy story, mm. having to add a spin on create it. Create scandals. Create scandals mm. and all that. But instead, yours is still journalism, but a very positive kind. Mm. I think that every kind of journalism has a space of its own and mm. it serves a particular market mm. that needs it too. So in, in my space, I just really am inspired by that we tell positive stories. So we t- mm. tell people how they can make money, how they can be rich. We tell the stories of the rich and famous, how they're making their money, how they're staying rich, what mm. mistakes they've made. So it's that inspiration because I think Africa is at that time right now where we are looking to be inspired and to create legacies of our own. Mm. Gone are the days where we just want to be employees and just be that mm. and help other people grow. We just want to build homegrown African brands. And yeah. those are the kind of things that we write about. And I think we serve a very, very important part of the market. Yeah. No, you're definitely right. Now, you know, usually when having to interview people who are doing well, having to interview people who are, you know, on the journey to, to success or even have arrived, you often learn a lot of amazing lessons yourself. You, you, you end up having a, you know, a, a better outlook on the world or, or something about you changes or you learn some new things. What have you learned from interviewing some of these youngsters, you know, 30 under 30, Forbes Africa, and, uh, and I mean, they, they're from all walks of life. I've checked them out and, and it's, it's amazing stories. But what have you learned from all of that? So much. Um, first and foremost, I think the biggest lesson is starting where you are. I often hear a lot of entrepreneurs who even write to me, Oh, I want to be on the list. I've got this incredible idea, but I don't know where to start because I don't have money. Nobody wants to fund my business or fund my idea. And what every story of entrepreneurship that I've ever written has taught me is that you start where you are. Say you want to have to make wedding dresses and be the next Pinatone or whatever. You start where you are. You can't afford the lace. Great, but order it online. And Create a website, right? And put the pictures there or just an Instagram page and put the pictures there before you even purchase them and make people pay upfront for the wedding gown. And then you ship it in and then you deliver to client. That's how you start. Start where you are. If you want to run a livestock factory or what, uh, or anything like that, buy a couple of eggs, let them hatch. Have one chick, have two chicks and grow from there. And then Mm. in a few months, you're able to buy a cow. So a lot of young people are always on about, oh, there's no support. There's Mm. no funding. Listen, we have every single thing that we need to do. All you need is the passion and to be hungry for it. Mm. If you're hungry enough for it, you won't see any obstacles. So just start where you are. Whatever business it is, just start where you are. So that's one of the main lessons. And another one is how much there is money in people. So I once interviewed Michiel Leroux. He's the founder of Capitec. Mm. And we're having this in thrilling conversation about how, you know, Capitec came about and why business and banking, because it was the first bank we'd had in South Africa after a very long time. And he said to me, you know, Ansela, one day I went to my bank. And everyone was like, hello, Mr. LaRue. How are you, Mr. LaRue? Here's a private room, Mr. LaRue. Do you want some coffee, cappuccino, water? He says, Ansela, I was being treated like royalty. And I wondered, because when on my way in, I saw so many people queuing to get served. No one was doing that for them. And he says he asked himself that if they are going to treat a person like me, like royalty, 
yet they get the list of money from me because I bank survey. I use internet banking. I might have more money than them in my bank account, but then they don't make as much money from me. Whereas the people that are queuing, making 2,000 rand, 3,000 rand, 4,000 rand a month, they withdraw 100 rand every day. Just for index. Just to try and make it uh, stay longer because when you see a little bit of money in your account, you feel safe. And what they don't realize is that those are all bank charges. Every day they transact. Every day they take that 100 rand. The bank is making money off them. So that's why he founded Capitec. So he said there is money in people that are overlooked. Mm. So if you want to make mm. a business mm. and you want to thrive, look at the market that is overlooked. Look at the market that needs to be treated like royalty. Jeez. That's how you make a, a, a business with money. Right now, Capitec is one of the, is the number one bank in South Africa. It's the fastest growing on the continent. So that tells a big, big story. So that's a big lesson in entrepreneurship. Just look for opportunities where other people don't look for them. I mean, let's look at ShopRite. Let, let, let's look at all these businesses and even your boxer superstores. They make higher profits than your Woolies and all the other, um, um, retail stores or businesses that we think are classy and, mm. and all that. So look for where the opportunity is. Serve the people who need to be treated like royalty. Wow. Okay. So that's lesson number two. Yep. Come on. We love these lessons. <laughs> Give us more. There's so many lessons. And another one is how you must respect the people who don't expect it. Let me tell you. Your security guards, they know more about Everything that happens in this world More than your CEO sitting in his office Overlooking the beach or or somewhere in Cape Town So be friends with people like that Because they'll tell you They are part of the community That you're trying to serve as an entrepreneur And those are the people that know everything I can tell you even as a journalist If I'm looking for a story or looking for hints I go to people like security guards. They are the ones that always know, oh, Ubani, oh, I get command, uso go for. Because they always know, they know people's timetables, they know where people are going, how they're going, who they went with. Even police officers will tell you the same thing. A crime is, is committed anyway. They have to go to people like security guards because they're always looking and seeing mm-hmm. what's going on out there. So you have to respect people who society doesn't deem as important. People who maybe other people overlook and ill treat, people who other people don't even turn around to look at twice. Those are the people that will give you the best advice, the best information, and the best of everything in your life as an entrepreneur. They're the people who are going to tell you who's looking for a job, who's doing all. They're the people who even know what your competitors are doing. Say you're in a business like you're in media, you want to know where can I invest, who's putting money away. Let me tell you, a security guard at that door knows if those doors are going to be shut down or not. They know if there's a problem or not. The cleaners know, the coffee ladies know. So respect Respect everyone irregardless of their title because at the end of the day we're all human and at the end of the day there are people who have invaluable resources that you can never have. So that's also a very big, 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 big lesson for me. Don't mm. just treat the CEOs like they're better than others. We're yeah. all human. Yeah. And that actually is important because you 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 can actually do so much and achieve so much thanks to the 
the so-called smaller roles mm. in an organization, you know, yeah. even when there's certain rules like, ah, if you don't have a tag, you can't come mm. in. But because you, you know, you are approachable and because you, you treat a person well, he can sometimes even make an exception for your case and yeah. understand you and grant you access to this or that and, yeah. or the other. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you see this everywhere. For instance, I'll make an example. Um, so, not a lot of people know that on the other side, I studied chemical engineering and I, that's actually one of the things I do apart from media and all these other things. So in that space, I'm, um, I have a distillery company, right? So we are, we are on the, you know, in the process of, uh, having a company that will be distilling things like vodka and gin and things like that. So we, I imported this distillery column, but now I need SARS in terms of, uh, import and export, uh, and, uh, and registering warehouses and doing all that, that type of stuff. But, uh, usually all these forms are so complex and you don't really understand what that is going on mm-hmm. here. And, uh, I get to the, uh, the ladies that normally fill in the forms. Normally they just, well, they don't fill them in. They just, uh, check accept them. your forms, yeah. check them and then upload you mm-hmm. onto the system. But, uh, when I was just sitting there, Having conversations with the people in line, you, I find out that they're so frustrated because mm-hmm. you can get sent back like six or seven, sometimes ten times because you're missing this or you're missing that or you're missing this or no, this ha- signature should have been like this and all sorts of things. And um, in some cases, in fact, these people who are accepting the forms don't know how to fill the forms in mm-hmm. 100%. So they're like, no, that's your job to know how you fill in these forms, not my job. And it can be quite a, a awkward time. But, uh, I, I was really nice to her, really approachable. And there are key little skills that you can actually use to, to just gain people's rapport. Even from the onset, she started saying, no, you look like my brother. Wah, wah, wah. Ha, ha, ha. You know, we have a good time. Make her smile. And then I tell her why I'm here. And then she looks at my things and then she says, oh, you're also going to need this. You're going to need that. So she's in the process of turning me back, right? Uh, okay, you're going to need this. You're also going to need that. And I'm thinking, all right, cool. No, no problem. And then I ask her a question and she realizes she doesn't know the answer to the question. But because I've built such a great rapport with her and she understands what I'm trying to do eventually, you know, employ um, some of my friends who had studied but now are unemployed and blah, blah, blah. And she thought, let me help this guy. And then she says, you know what? I Here's someone's number. Call this person. And this is someone like... High up in SARS. And that's the, per- that, those are the people who, who know everything. Mm-hmm. But they say, she says, this guy's probably going to be angry that I gave you the number, but call him, explain nicely to him, and hopefully he'll help you. Mm-hmm. And even when I call that person, the same type of great rapport, being nice, you don't know who they are, you don't know how high up they are. Cause when I got the number, I didn't know how high up this person is. But he said, you know what? Just because of the way you spoke to me, I'm going to actually help you. Mm. And then we had a meeting. I mean, things are going very well right now. But it, it touches on that point mm. of saying, ah, she's just a, a lady that submits mm. the forms. Who, like, what does she know? Here are my forms. Mm. And then, oh, I have to go back. Oh, just And you could that. have even said, oh, you don't even know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. What's your problem? Why in this role? Mm. So the way in which we, we react to people is very important. And yeah. the way we in which we react to situations is very important. Mm. It determines how far you going to go in life, believe exactly. me. So you have to always react positively, even if mm. the, the the world is unfair and people are unfriendly and 
they are rude and you know just mm. be positive and just smile yeah. and mm. and let things be and you know talking about lessons as you were talking I was reminded about one other very important lesson so I hear a lot of young people say, I've been trying so much. I've got this qualification or I'm so exceptional at what I do, but I'm not getting the right opportunity or the right job. So mm-hmm. what do I do? So, and I always say, just do the best wherever you are. You are at a particular place for a reason. I'll tell you a story. Mm-hmm. When I first graduated um, journalism, it was 2014. Yeah, 2014. First graduated. I got a job at Caxton Community Newspapers. You know, the newspaper has that we leave at your gate. They're yeah. free. You know, mm-hmm. we write all the community news. So I was working in Caxton while I was studying my master's. And I did the best I could. Like, I would write the best stories about potholes. Mm. About, you know, the old lady who's complaining about a dog that barks every night. (laughs) The best, because those are the community stories, right? So at that publication, we concentrated on community news and what's happening in those particular communities. And I did my best. I didn't complain. Like, why am I writing about uh, things that people don't care about? Like, who cares about? I didn't. So hard. Potholes. I got the honors and masters. I'm getting my masters for potholes. Listen. (laughs) I never. I woke up every single day with a smile and said, I am a journalist mm. and this is what I'm going to go write about. And mm. I'll write it. And let me tell you what that led me to. When Forbes, uh, the founding, uh, uh, founding Forbes Africa editor was looking for a journalist. He had been looking for about six months. He lives in Northcliffe. One day he picked up the paper and saw Anselamangan, Anselamangan, Anselamangan. It's like every page I turned, like your mm. byline was there. And I was like, this is the young lady I want to meet. Mm. And he called me up at Kickstone Community Newspapers and said, can you come tomorrow? Let's have coffee. Bring a magazine and let's chat. And that's how I ended up at Forbes Africa because mm. of doing my best where I was. Wow. So no matter where God has put you, no matter where the universe or whatever it is that you believe in has put you in your life do your best yeah. like outshine if you're cleaning windows be known as the best window cleaner that has ever ever is existed mm-hmm. because you don't know what that role is preparing you for number one number two where it's leading you to so sure. in hindsight when i look at it i'm like all of those things were teaching me so much about the craft of journalism very rarely would you move from a community publication to a world-class publication like forbes mm-hmm. where i'm writing and talking to africa's richest people the world's richest people the people that you you know, are disruptors, people that we look up to, people who we want to be. Very rarely does that happen. Yeah. But because of that dedication and doing the best, it doesn't matter whether you're not earning enough money, whether nobody is recognizing it. It doesn't matter. Do the best that you mm. can because it's for a reason and it's going to pay off. Yeah. Wow. That reminds me of the story of Joseph in the Bible. Mm. You know, was once upon a time he was just a younger brother. Yeah. And it was just such a good younger brother mm. that the brothers got jealous of him. Yeah. Then he became a slave. And it was just such a great slave that, uh, you know, he got promoted into, you know, higher ranks mm-hmm. of being a slave until mm-hmm. he had to be a prisoner for some reason. And he was such a great prisoner that when the other guys got out, they remembered him mm-hmm. and him put him in front of the Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, he was such a great interpreter to the Pharaoh that he became the prime minister. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're right. Do your best. And like one of my under 30s um, from last year, Knight Ganja from Botswana. Mm. So his story is one of the greatest stories I've ever told. So this young man at the time when we're doing it, he was 29. And he had moved from Zim. So he went from Zimbabwe by birth. 
went on a holiday in Botswana. And then when he got there, he didn't want to go back. He's 14 years old at the time. And he's like, okay, I've seen so many billboards and all cool stuff in Zim. How come in Botswana there's nothing? So he decided that he wants to start an advertising agency. This is a 14-year-old. He called up his mom back in Zim and said, well, I'm not coming back. And <laughs> he didn't go back. And he was cleaning window seals and, you know, any job that he could get. He was sleeping in a tuck shop. You know those gassy tuck shops, mm. check tuck shops? He would sleep in there. Assist the owner, sell staff. He'll do any job that he could. And now he, he is, he got the first contract, advertising contract for ShopRite when you were 16 years old in Jeez. Botswana. Oh my goodness. His company turns over 35 million US dollars. Mm. And this is somebody who has no high school. Jeez. Certificate, no metric, where no did, nothing. Where do some of these guys get the freedom <laughs> to just say, I'm 14 years old, mom, I don't need school, I don't need anything, I'm sharp. It's belief in yourself. Also, like your mom is all the way in Zimbabwe. What is she gonna do? <laughs> you can't get a hiding. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can't get a hiding. Even if she comes, wow. where is she gonna find you? <laughs> so he was so determined in opening this advertising agency. So he would go and pitch to companies. Imagine, number one, it didn't even have papers at the time, no mm. bank account, no, mm. he only has his passport with, and he ha- always has to go to the border to get more days so that he's legal to get like, they'll give him 30 days, 60 days at, at, at a time. And, um, he, he, he went to ShopRite like for seven months. He would go to ShopRite every day and ask to see the CEO. And the secretary will be like, no, like, what do you want to talk to him about? And you're so young. Obviously he's scruffy looking. Mm. He's young. He's not that well spoken even now. Yeah. So everything was the odds were against him. But every single day without fail, he'll go to the head office of ShopRite that had just, uh, opened a branch in, in, in Botswana. And he'll sit there and say, chit chat with the secretary. No, no, he's not in town. Even if they say he's not in town, every day he would go and sit there and say, I'm waiting for him. And then he'll go back home every single day until one day the secretary said, you know what? Let me see what I can do after seven months. Jeez. And then um, she went and spoke to, to, to the CEO. And then they said, okay, I've got five minutes. Come in. And, Listen, he doesn't have a business that's registered. He just know he wants to do advertising <laughs> and he wants his client to be shop right. Wow. And he said to the CEO, my name is Knight Ganje. I've got a, a, an advertising company and I can save you money. Whoever you're using now is overcharging you. I don't want to know how much it is, but they're overcharging you. I can get you into radio and all those places that you're in for less. And then the CEO is like, but what's the name of this company? I've never heard of it. He hadn't even thought about the name of the company yet. <laughs> and then immediately he's like, oh shit, I don't know. Immediately he's like, I don't have a name. Sorry. And immediately like I don't have a name. And then he remembered his name is Herbert Ganja. So he's like, Oh, it's H and G advertising. Wow. Like, okay, great. If you can get me advertising at below those numbers, I'll go with you. And then he'll go to the big radio stations and TV shows and say, Listen, my client is ShopRite. He's not saying I'm trying to pitch ShopRite. No. I'm representing ShopRite and ShopRite wants you, but listen, we want those numbers or below. This is not going to work. And obviously because they want ShopRite as well to advertise on their platforms, they gave him the contract and his first client was uh, uh, ShopRite. Imagine that. Resilience. Resilience right there. It makes me think of the story when I was in varsity. um, Someone said to me, uh, the father said to his son, I want you to marry the girl that I choose. And mm-hmm. the guy was like, ah, oh, why am I going to do that? And he said, what if I told you that that 
is Bill Gates' daughter. It's like, yo, okay, cool. Then I'll do it. <laughs> then he went to Bill Gates and said, I want you, your daughter to marry my son. And Bill Gates is like, why would I allow that? And he says, what if I told you my son is the CEO of World Bank? And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, maybe we can talk. If it's like that, then that's cool. And then he went to World Bank and said, I want you to make my son the CEO. Mm. And they're like, why? It's like, my son is the son-in-law of the richest man in the world, Bill Gates. And they're like, okay. And then he got everything. And I, like, I mean, I heard the story and it, you know, it, it sounds like a, wow, that's so cool. But like, I don't know how easy it is, but maybe. But now when you're telling me that this guy pretty much did exactly, exactly that. Exactly the same it's thing. It's amazing. Exactly the same thing. It's just about resilience and and being determined mm. in, in what you're doing. I mean, for seven months, how many people would do that? Yeah. Go to an office every single day and they'll chase you away. Sometimes they wouldn't even give him a sit to sit mm. on. They'll just say, and you'll just stand there and Yo. say, I'm not leaving. Yo. You have to be resilient and, and believe in yourself and believe in what you're trying to do. And now he's one of mm. Africa's youngest rich just people as we're speaking yeah and even if you look a little crazy for doing it right because i mean I, I look at for instance dj smoo on his uh instagram you'd mm-hmm. see sometimes he just walks into a plane and starts screaming more fire <laughs> and then he's got his can up in the air yeah. and he tell he's telling people how this drink is is educating people and it's doing this and it's doing that and people should support it and Obviously, everyone's looking at him. No one's going to cheer or talk or say mm. anything. Everyone just looks at him blankly and then they look down and, and it's over. Mm. And you could easily think, geez, you're making such a fool of yourself, mm. you know, or inside after you did that, he could easily, when he's sitting down, think, what am I even doing? Mm. But he just keeps on, keeps mm. on, keeps on. And, and you, yeah. And you know what? It takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Mm. And people be like, hey, this person, Jay, out of the blue, like, mm-mm. Mm. I was watching Chris Brown's documentary on, on Netflix. You know, that guy started when he was like 12 years old. Mm. And then when he came out, it looked like it was just so quick. Like, yeah, yes. right. I mean, um, what's, uh, the, the, the lady on, on, did, what is the name? Uh, on Faded. What's her name again? You know, Kanye West Faded, that lady who's oh, dancing there. Yes, yes, um, yes. She's, she's been dancing and singing with Kanye for like over a decade. Wow. And she just blew up last year. It takes mm. 10 years to be an overnight success. Mm. And it doesn't matter if you're making a fool of yourself because one day those very people are going to ask you how you did it. Mm. When they see you as that overnight success, they're going to want to know and be curious, yeah. how did you do it? But mm. you thought I was crazy. Yeah. That's right. how I did it. No, but and you, you're very right. You're very right because, uh, um, and often it, it just takes that, that internal belief when no one else believes it. It's like, uh, you know, you, you just have that voice that says, I am the one. Mm. I'm the one. You know, uh, someone could be coming and saying in a room, it's a room full of you. Maybe you are still in high school and they say, who knows? One of you could be uh, a, a, a top journalist mm. or one of you could be uh, the president or, 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 or something. One of you in this class. And then there's that voice inside of you that says, I am the mm, one. Mm. You know, yes, they're talking to a room full of them, but I think, I think they're actually talking to me. Mm. But it, you know, that you, you just need to hold on to that and never let that die. Yeah. That you are the one. Yeah. Because I often say that, uh, you can only play, uh, you can only play, uh, uh, 
an extra in someone else's movie. You can never play the staring mm. in someone else's movie because mm. it's their movie. So you can only play the daughter in your mother's movie and you can only play the sister in your sister's movie, mm. but you can't play the main role because mm. it's her movie. Mm. So you have to literally feel like you are the one for your movie and, and just, just believe that it's going to work out somehow. Mm. We're the ones we've been waiting for. I'm, mm. I'm going to go back to my favorite song, Beyonce's yeah. song. You know, she says, I was here. I lived, I loved, I did everything I wanted to do. So every time I hear that song, I'm like, one day when I'm laying on my deathbed, I'm going to be the happiest human being mm. because I would have done every single thing that I want to do. So yeah. much, so don't block out the noise, man. Like people would say so many things. Some people would even say to me, Oh, you're doing too many things. Oh yeah. You, you're an ambassador. Now you have a business. Now you're doing this. Now you're doing this. And you're a journalist. And like, it's okay. Mm. If I can handle it, it's okay because that's all I want to do. So mm. I've got my targets and my goals. And I know that at a certain age, I want to, I want to have accomplished certain things. Mm. So don't be bothered by what people say. You need to have peace within you and know that whatever you're doing, it's for you. It's not to glorify anyone else, but it's to glorify God and to do the best that you can in whatever it is that you're doing. So you don't need to, to listen to naysayers. And the thing about trying to be great, there's always going to be a multitude of people trying to pull you down. The moment I'll tell you from the moment I won my first award in journalism, the more, the bigger my circle got, but also the more people would criticize me. Oh no, like I didn't hear so much of your voice in that story. Like, oh no, like where's your command? You used to write with so much command and you used to, and I'm like, but every time I was writing, nobody ever said anything. People just read and move on with their lives. Now, because I've won an award, then now there's this. And then I won a CNN journalism award and more things came along. And then that's when I learned that I have to block out the noise. So whatever story that I write, I know that I did my best and the best I could. And that's enough for me. As long as, as long as I'm at peace, that what I did was great enough for me, mm. then nobody else matters. So even if you have to do 10 things, 20 things, if that's what your legacy is supposed to be, then do it. Beyonce says, um, I want to leave my footprints on the sands of time. Mm. That's exactly what I'm here to do. Leave my footprints on the sands of time so that when I die and people say, Ansula Mangena, like, oh, that girl with that name, that's so unusual. We know her. She did this, this and that. She died happy because mm. why else? What else are we living for? Yeah. To make other people happy and you're miserable. Nah. So you you have already thought of the end, which is a great thing. You know, they say always start with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. Normally people think that that only refers to starting your day or maybe starting the business mm -hmm. or starting your goals. But actually, you can actually say, I'm going to start this life with mm -hmm. the end in mind. Yeah. Or, I mean, obviously when you were... Really starting it at year zero, mm -hmm. you couldn't necessarily plan things out. But as you now started to, to have the thinking capacity to mm -hmm. start planning and you felt like you finally are independent enough to own your own life or to steer your own mm -hmm. life in some way, now is a good time to set the GPS to yeah. final destination. Yeah. And yes, it will evolve as you get there, mm -hmm. but you don't have to necessarily say, I need to have this amount of money or this or that or the other, but 
at least in terms of the the I can't say the physical things, but at least the the virtues that you wish you ha- you would have you would have uh, lived and fulfilled, or or you say you for instance, I'm not saying say that uh, you owned a school, but say that you taught people and people got enriched because mm-hmm. you were here. Mm-hmm. Tell me what is your I was here that paragraph that they would read out when you're lying there on the grave and they say, here lies Ansela Mangena. Yeah, you don't get me started. <laughs> so basically for me, at whatever age, even if I were to die today, mm. what people, what, you what I think people would say and my sister would say is, I, I did everything. I promise you, there's not a single thing that I want to do that I have not started doing. I, I'm, I'm gonna be known as an, an entrepreneur of everything. <laughs> yeah. I wanna do a makeup line with my sister. I wanna do a beauty range. I'm gonna make shoes. I'm gonna make clothes. Mm-hmm. I already sold clothes. Remember when I was saying start where you are? I sold clothes from the boot of my car because exactly. now I can't afford a factory yet, right? Mm-hmm. So I buy and sell from the boot of my car. Cool. During lunchtime, I go around all over Santon <laughs> selling to, to all my employees there. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I wanna get into that space. I wanna have my own online news platform. Form, which I, because I don't have money to do that yet, I've started it on Instagram and my sister mm. uploads news and stuff on there. So I started where I, 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 I am. Um, I've got a PR company that I'm currently running, um, which also started from my living room with one client. Mm. Um, so I'm going to be known as a person who's done everything entrepreneurially. I'm going to do television, radio, journalism. So I'm even at that point in my life where I'm trying to diversify because every time I, my name comes up, oh, the journalist, I'm like, yeah, great. That's mm. part of who I am. It's not mm. everything that I am. I'm going to be known as a person that um, helps. So my name, Ansela, means an aid to achieving. And when I got to understand what my name was about, I understood why I've done all the things that I've done in my life. From when I was young, I've always been that person who's always helping other people. Beauty, one food, be anything that I've ever done has always been for uplifting that's, other people. And great. when I understood the meaning of my name, I'm like, that makes sense. I'm like, mom, so you can actually speak things into, through names into yeah. the lives of your children. And, um, I, I, I do so much of that. That gives me so much joy and so much pleasure. That's why I'm a UN refugee agency ambassador. And I travel in different, uh, refugee camps trying to tell their stories, uh, trying to raise the awareness around the refugee crisis that we have in Africa. Mm. That's part of my biggest, biggest goal to make you know, lives of refugees easier and much better. So I'm going to be known as a person who is basically an aid to achieving, be it in entrepreneurship, be it in, in NGO or type of organizations, be it through my businesses. I'm going to employ 3,000 people by the time I'm 35. So be it through creation of employment, be it through mentoring. I don't own a multi-billion rand business yet, but I've got so many mentors that I mentor online and we talk, I share every single thing that I learn. I, otherwise I go and ask people who have more experience the questions that my mentees ask me yeah. and then I go and give them the answers. So I'm going to be known as an aid to achieving and I'm hoping that every single thing that I do becomes that in somebody's life and, and change people. I'll tell you a story. One 
of my former employees when I first started my business a year ago. I employed this young man, Lebu, and you know, he, he was great. You know, those smart young people. But they, they, they're just not scented enough. And, um, I ended up letting him go and he was so mad. I'm going to CCMA. I'm like, okay, go. It's all right. You know, funny enough on Monday, he sent me a long WhatsApp. Oh, Ansela, I'm so sorry that things ended like that. But I, would, I just want to tell you that now in hindsight, all the things that you would tell me and the way in which you tried to teach me have literally made me the person I am today because now I'm using this at my new firm. Now I'm a better person. Now I'm, so it, 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 it I just want those kind of stories. Sometimes it will be like, Oh, Ansela, you're too firm or you're too that, but it's just being, um, trying to be an aid to that person in their life. So I hope my sister will say I was an aid to achieving. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's that's really great, and uh, it's it's a lovely story as well. In fact, my name actually means the same thing. Really? Yeah, yeah. Listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> now we're talking. Like yeah. this is going to be a powerful partnership. I'm Let telling me tell you. you, yeah, Let man. I'm already you. coming up with ideas in Let my mind. Let me tell this you. This is great, man. That's 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 amazing. Now, obviously, life didn't always. Uh, look this glamorous when everything started. Let's go back uh, 27, so let's minus 20 years. Tell us about your life when you were 20 years sure. old. I mean, we were seven years old, yeah. Sure. So, yeah. I was born in Zim. So mm-hmm. I was in Zim in Kwabulawayo, Gontutuziatunga. Mm. And I was in primary school at that time. Um, my so so I moved schools a lot. I think I went to five or six primary schools, which is very disrupting and <laughs> always had to move. So I was moving around a lot. I was very timid. I was super, super skinny. Like people would call me Utrigo, Tagide. You know, people would call me all those names. She would call me all those names. Because I was super, super skinny. So I was skinny and timid. People would pick on me on at school because I'm so skinny. Um, and call me all those names. And like, I didn't have a bat. They would even say ironing board. <laughs> and, 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 uh, Listen, my hands naturally shake. I don't have the steadiest of hands. Uh-huh. So imagine that. I, I didn't have my voice. Mm. I couldn't speak up. I um didn't know who I was or understand any part of that. And a few years later, my parents got divorced, which was also a big disruption in my life, which is something I'm still trying to deal with and handle right mm-hmm. now. Um I remember when I was about nine I, I used to cut myself. I don't even know if my dad knows that. Does he know? Um, I, I, it was so bad that I would cut myself. I'd get a razor blade and cut myself. Um, like the, yeah, on my yeah. thighs. I even still have the scars. Like I would cut Your. myself because I think part of that, what, what, that, what that has taught me now is the parents, man, need to talk to their children. My mom and my dad never sat me down and said, we're getting divorced or, and we still love you. One day daddy was there and we are family and the next year was gone. And nobody ever took the time to say anything. And, yeah. and I, I, I don't blame them. I understand they were also going through their own things and the culture then it was like mother, parent, child type of culture. So I think as we grow now and, and evolving as Africans, we need to start talking to our children more because children see those things and, and they understand and it bothers them. So, mm. so at that particular time I would cut myself and it was hard, man, until 
2001. Um, that's when my journey really started. 9-11 happened. So I'm born on 9-11, September 11th. Okay. <laughs> and in 2001, 9-11 happens. Um, you remember it was a Wednesday and I was so excited because I was thinking I'm going to get gift and it's going to be great, etc. So it happened very early in the morning in the US. So by the time we're about six or so hours behind. Um, they are about six or so hours behind. When I got home, I was so excited, wanting to see what my mom would have gotten me. Because I knew also that year, I would have the best gift or whatever I want. Because that's the year when my parents divorced and we moved to a different house and and all of that. So I was like, yeah, so, you know, I'm getting cool stuff for my birthday. And, you know, my mom and everyone else, they were sitting in the living room watching the news. People were just talking about the news. And that's what I ended up doing. And I remember carrying, we used to have those glass 300 mil Coca-Cola bottles. Mm -hmm. And I remember holding one of those and saying, Ansela Mangena, reporting from Washington, D.C. Because I was so fascinated about the reporters. I'm like, I knew what, what was happening was wrong. And, you know, people were crying. There was so much loss of life. Mm. But that loss made gave me my voice and made me find my purpose in life, which is storytelling and journalism. Mm. And from that moment, I was in grade seven. Um, I wrote my first book. I started, like I knew I was going to be a journalist no matter what. My mom wanted me to be a lawyer, but I wouldn't have it. And I, I found my voice. I started firstly writing and telling the stories, you know, through writing or Telling, giving my voice through writing. And then, um, as I grew older, I joined drama and joined public speaking. So my journey of trying to accomplish this journalism thing helped me find my voice and took out the beat of timidness. I'm, I'm still very timid. I'm still very shy. Um, but I, I, I think that I've got my voice, even in, in that shyness, in the midst of that, when I wanted to come out, I'd know how to make it come out in the right spaces and the right times. I'm the worst networker. You should see me at networking events. I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I just have to tell myself, okay, Ansela, it's game time now. Then, mm-hmm. then I'm able to go through. So it hasn't always been an easy journey. And, you know, from, from that divorce being raised by a single parent and, you know, I, I'd gotten, um, acceptance to go to Columbia, which is the best journalism school in the world and but obviously u.s prices the dollar versus the rand Mm. my mother couldn't even afford it my dad wasn't really in the picture so i had to opt for home and i went to uj which i think was where i was supposed to be yeah wow man what a what a journey right and and so much so much um lessons in there Mm. i mean you you said that there was once upon a time where you didn't feel like you have a voice at all and Mm. and it and so, so much was counting against you and, uh, having to kind of work against all of that to kind of rise above it is, is not the easiest of yeah. things, especially when you're trying to have big goals and big dreams. And then, I mean, people who normally drown out your voice can easily just discourage you yes. from anything that you're trying to dream. Mm. So how did you, how did you manage to, to, uh, still have big dreams? Amongst all of that So I went through a journey So I think the best thing in the midst of all of that That my mother did was to Give me something to believe in For us which was Christ mm. So so having that And you know no matter what people said I always knew that Oh at least I've got God mm. Even if I was cutting myself I would stop literally and be like okay but God wouldn't like this Then that's yeah. how I would stop cutting myself So to answer your question I would I went through a journey 
of self-discovery and understanding myself. I realized that for so long, I did so many things only just because, even when I got baptized in church, just because I was 12 and everyone in church, my age group was getting baptized. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a boyfriend because one of my friends who I call a sister now, Oli told me the guy is cute and he smells good. That was my first boyfriend. (laughs) It was my first boyfriend. Very, very (laughs) strict criteria. (laughs) Smell good and, uh, good looking and smell good. And you, and, 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 and so I had done so many things in my life. Only even the school I went to in high school, I wasn't supposed to go to that school. I literally remember holding the food of the bed at home, refusing to go to the school that my mom wanted me to go to only because mm. all my other friends were going to the other school. So I had done so many things in my life because of people. Oh, I'm just following the wave. And I didn't, I really didn't know who I was. Yeah. And it came a point where I've wondered like, but like, who am I? Like, why do I do the things that I do? And Mm. I had to take weeks of self-introspection, like even write things down. And I discovered through that process that I didn't even know what kind of food I like. Mm. Because, well, people say pizza is nice, so I guess I like it. We have it at home on Friday, so I guess it's good, right? So, oh, sushi, oh, maybe it's nice. Like everyone likes, so you know. So I, I, I had done so many things just because popular culture say so, because friends say so. So I had to take time to just think, you know, who am I, and write things down. Even when it came to food, I'll taste food. Like, but why this one? Oh, I really like it. My palate is for this. Um, even with like alcohol, like all my friends will drink ciders, and I'm like, oh, but I. I discovered I don't like it. I'm more of a wine person than now. I'm the wine person. So I had to fall in love with me and understand myself through an actual journey, having a notebook and writing down. Why do I think do the things that I do? Why am I studying journalism? Why am I this? Why am I that? Why did I do this? And once I fell in love with me for who I am, nobody talks, spoke about how skinny I was anymore. Nobody spoke about my timidness and timidness anymore. Nobody spoke about any negative thing, any, everything that was coming towards me. At least people had the guts to say anything. <laughs> it was positive. So I think also if you're confident in your own skin and you own who you are, people see it and people will respect that and fall in love with that. The moment you give people room to shift you, like your, your, your ideas and the, your mannerisms can be shifted by other people's ideas, then people would always try to say, no, do this, no, do that, no, do that. I always fight with my sister when she does my makeup. Like, no, try something new, man. Like, you know, you're so pretty. Try this, try that. And then we end up fighting with our sister, so always fine. Mm. And we'll end up fighting like, no, but I try, I try to make you do nice things because like I'm a makeup artist. I know these things. And I'm like, but that's not me. Like that might be great. And yes, I might look ravishing in that, but it's not me. So can we just do the boring stuff because that's who I am? So, so I think when you just need to know who you are, mm. just know who you are. You get your voice and get everything. And when you know you, who you are, you'd attract all the things that you've been trying to get. Like from jobs to boyfriends to men to like, I promise you from that first boyfriend, I've never dated a guy that I, I'll say is not a great guy. Like I've, I've literally only attract those type of people. So I think because they can see like this is who she is and where this is where she's going and we need to respect that. That's actually interesting. Now, interesting also because you, you said that, uh, once you, you, um, 
started liking yourself or starting loving yourself, you, you couldn't hear, uh, you, any of the, the negative ironing board comments and mm. all that type of stuff. They wouldn't even come most of the time. Do you think that, uh, we attract what we are and when we are great, we attract great? Yes. And when we don't think we are great, we attract things and comments and people. Mm. Along the lines of what we Listen. have believed of ourselves. Listen, you, and I wouldn't have said it any better. Like if, <laughs> even your circle, even my circle of friends changed. Everyone around me is such a go-getter. It's mm. so hungry. The conversations I have with people changed because we'll sit and talk about boys and stuff. Oh, we still talk about boys, but they're not the main part of our conversation. Now we're talking, okay, so what are we doing? Okay. Do we need to travel? Okay. So this business, how can you do it? Like I promise you, my best friends were not even in media. They're the people that give me advice. I even call them my advisors for my mm. business that they know one of them is even a, a chartered accountant. She doesn't know anything about PR, but she's the one that tells me, oh, no, tell this to your client. Do this with your client because we have the same energy yeah. and you, you help each other. And, you know, if you have the right energy, you try to attract the right people and the right people never try to pull you down. I mean, they leave their own work to come help me do pitch documents for my clients without money, without it, anything but it. Thank yeah. you. So you attract your, your energy attracts the people that you're, you know, the, the type of energy that you're giving out to the universe. And even the people in public, I always say, I would rather be less known, especially in the industry. You know how the media industry is like, people want to be like on the right carpet, look what I'm wearing, look what, like for, for me, those things are not important. And I'm happy to not be part of those kind of circles because I want to run the publications that they're working on the red carpet for. I want to run the platforms they want to talk Talk, talk on. So I want to own them basically. Mm. So, so that's not my space. It's not my league. My league is entrepreneurs and business people that are making those people, giving them jobs, giving them, you know, jobs to MC it and, and all of that. Mm. Mm. Now, one thing that's important is, uh, really loving yourself and, uh, and getting to the un- place where you understand yourself. I think, I think, most of people's problems comes from not quite liking themselves. Mm. How did you go from not liking yourself to liking yourself? You're saying that there was a time you were writing down. Do you feel like it, it's an age thing or do you feel like it is a, a certain practice thing? Like, is it a, you, you do this and then after doing this, you start liking yourself more mm. or is it you get to this age and then you kind of figure things out? What, what did you think it is? Sure. Can I tell you something that I've actually never said out loud? I think I've always liked myself. I've always thought I'm stunningly beautiful, mm. but I was just not confident in what I already knew. So the only thing that had to change is my confidence in it for mm. me to be able to say I'm beautiful. Like, you know, during the time when I was growing up, being dark wasn't the coolest thing. It's only happening now. Like, ooh, you know, what melanin. are they saying? Now? Melanin, pop hang. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so all of that is all, only happening now. Back then it was like, oh, yeah, man, you, yeah, man, you. <laughs> no. yes. So, so, but then in that, I always knew, I'd look at myself I'm like, but you know what? I'm so pretty, but I, I didn't have the confidence in that. So yeah. I couldn't even say to people, listen, I'm pretty or this. Mm. So, I think for me, it's just having the confidence of which the confidence came 
not only with age, but also with understanding myself. So when you understand who you are, what you're about, then you can be confident in it. Be confident speaking about it and speaking about anything. Let's say nobody, even if you put Beyonce or whatever here, I'll mm. say like, listen, we're both three to me. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, it's the absolutely amazing Ansela Mangena. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming through. Thank you. It's the shortest hour of the week. I did say it. the hour is gone. Can you believe it? It felt quick, right? And I haven't even told you about my sister. Let me tell you real quick. Like, okay, I'll cool. We got it. like 10 seconds. Okay. My sister is amazing. Amazing makeup artist, ES Mangena on Instagram. You'll find everything. She's self-taught. Listen, you must interview her. She is absolutely amazing. Great stuff. We'll definitely get to do that. We'll, we'll chat with you guys after yeah. the show and we'll try to set that up. Thank you very much for listening in. It's amazing story. And she is one of those power, powerful ladies as well. I mean, um, journalist on uh, Forbes Africa, and uh, she's doing very, very well for herself. We'll keep track of how she moves along the career. But thank you very much for listening in. It's the shortest hour of the week. It's Unplugged and In Charge on CliffCentral.com. This is CliffCentral.com.